might want to keep our eyes on that one. That's what I told my wife when we were in Jamaica. Uh, we had gone on a cruise for my uh, special trip for my daughter, and we didn't want to do the whole Atlantis thing uh, with the casino and all that stuff, so we just took a tour around the island, and we saw this local beach that was guarded uh, by police, so we came back there and enjoyed that. While we were there, this tall, brown-skinned man came up. He would have been an NBA player, except he was way too skinny. He had some kind of head covering on, and I had my eye on him. But God told me and showed me an important lesson that day about judging people. Because this man had a Bible this size in his hand. And he goes to this young lady, and they sit down at the base of a palm tree, and he's sharing out of this Bible. Well, a lot of guys know what I'm fixing to talk about, but she wasn't, didn't seem to be too particularly interested. You know, he had kind of the sideways uh, glance that he was getting from her, but he was pouring his heart out. And the sad part about it is that I didn't even have one of these testaments to give him that cost a dollar and fifty cent to replace that ratty one uh, that he was using to uh, witness to her. Because that's what we're about as Gideons, placing Bibles in the hands of everyone who would receive it. That's our mission. The mission is that those, everyone who receives it will have the opportunity to read God's word and to accept him as Savior. Not only are we in Jamaica and the United States, of course, but 200 other countries. The Gideons are professional men and women who feel God's call to distribute God's word. We are most known, of course, for the hotel program. Uh, I hope you, when you go, you'll open that dresser in the middle, and if you don't see it, uh, a Bible there, that you will maybe contact somebody that you know who might can help you replace it. But we've grown to, to far more than that. The vast majority of Bibles placed now uh, go overseas. Less than 10% of the Bibles placed are placed in hotels. We place Bibles in prisons and jails. Our wives through the Gideon Auxiliary place Bibles with medical professionals and in hospitals. We place Bibles with the military. Uh, one of the biggest things that we do lately that I really uh, appreciate is the fair program. At the Georgia National Fair, I think they gave away 8,000 Bibles last year uh, to people who were walking along the Midway. And sometimes you'll circle back around and pick some of them up in the trash can. But by and large, people keep these. And it's my prayer that, that they will read those and become saved. But I want you to understand, too, that it's not enough to just hand out Bibles and walk away. In Acts 8, uh, we're told the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Philip is led to go to an oasis and there's an Ethiopian reading God's word and Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading. And I don't know about you, but I can't always understand uh, what's in the Bible. But Philip shared with him the Bible, God's word, and that Christ has come uh, to save mankind from its sin 
and that Ethiopian eunuch uh, received Christ that day. Now you see me holding these red testaments this morning because that's where my heart is with the Gideons. This is the testaments that we give to the fifth graders in the United States. I want to tell you a testimony from Terry Hensey. She was in her closet. She was tired of life. She's ready to, to end it. She'd lost her job. She'd lost her husband. She didn't feel, feel that there was anything else to live for. She had a gun in her hand and she asked God, or asked, she didn't know what she was asking, but give me a reason why I shouldn't do this. About that same time, her son came through the door. Mama, Mama, look what I've got. And he's got this testament that's been given to him from the, the fifth grade, uh, since he was in the fifth grade. And his mother and he read from this testament, and both of them received salvation as a result of that testament. Uh, the reason that I love these fifth grade testaments is I have such a burden for children now. My wife is a teacher, fifth grade teacher actually, and... She sees things every day, and I've been involved a lot with youth sports. Um, taking kids home to an empty home, I wouldn't do that now. It's been a long time, but uh, take kids home to an empty house, no one home, no father, no mother. You feel bad about leaving them, but you know, what else would you do? Our children today are abused. They're sold and treated like animals. And they go to sleep at night. All they hear is fighting. This is who we need to reach in America. And it's who we try to reach through these fifth grade testaments. Uh, we want you, I want you to pray for that we can continue to do this. I believe that we give them out in Dodge County. I believe we give them out in Crisp and Dooley Counties. And I believe Blackley. But the farther north that you go, the less likely you are to give these testaments out. When you get Macon, north of Macon, it's not going to happen. They're not going to let you in. We're careful down here when we go that we just lay them on a table and if they want to receive uh, the Bible, they can. And if not, uh, that's fine also. When... Um, it's sad to say that a lot of people don't realize that all the Gideon Bibles, particularly the hotel ones, have the plan of salvation in them. This particular one that I like to use that some artist has scrolled all over, it has the plan of salvation in it. Suggested readings, what the Bible says, and the Roman road basically to salvation. Every Bible we give out has those, testaments and otherwise. The sad part about it is the only Bible that the Gideons don't have the plan of salvation in is the ones that we give to the fifth graders in the United States of America. I think it says a lot about where we're at as a nation, and I ask that you pray about that. Gideons are also at work internationally. As, as I've already said, that's where 90% of our emphasis is now, is uh, international. 
Every year there are several what we call scripture blitzes. There were three this year, Philippines, Mexico, and Kenya. I want to tell you about the one that's in the Philippines. 22 Gideons from around the world in January 2020 set out for the Philippines. God blessed this mission from the beginning. The dates of the meeting had to be changed. The if, if that date had not been changed, this distribution would have been, of course, seriously impacted due to the eruption, due to the eruption of COVID that happened shortly after that. As it was, they were tremendously successful. Now, I've told you that Gideons are in 200 countries, but something I haven't mentioned is that the Gideons are translated in over 80 different languages. And in this case, those scriptures were written in the Tagalog dialect, T-A-G-A-L-O-G. These 22 Gideons, along with several hundred camp members from the Philippines, placed nearly 650,000 scriptures in a week. Something I did not know that I found very interesting is that nearly half of the population of the Philippines is under the age of 20. I didn't uh, research that to figure out why that's true, but that is a truth. So a substantial port portion of these Bibles were placed in schools. And in this case, the Gideons uh, had the plan of salvation in these testaments. They were able to freely share the word at the schools, and many heard the, the word of salvation and were saved. You know, if you think about it, international missionaries have told me twice that they'd rather go overseas than here. Uh, that doesn't really make sense when you think about it until the fact that they say that people just don't want to talk to you here. They don't want to listen to us. At the fair, you tell people, you know, I don't want that crap. That's what they'll tell you. But in the Philippines, it was different. In fact, there was a presidential proclamation issued during that month calling it Bible Month. We have been successful internationally. But there's a lot of countries that we can't get in. One is Russia. Been a lot about Russia recently. Russia opened, was not open until Gideon uh, Bible distributions until 1989. It's now closed again because of a uh, dispute with the Soviet the United States backed the country of Georgia and the Russians became upset about that and punished the Gideons for some reason or another. If you remember, there's a group got caught trying to smuggle Bibles into Russia. That was not the Gideons. But it's now uh, now closed to, to us. However, 40 million scriptures have been placed there. What about another uh, country that's in the news a lot, China? 1.2 billion people who have largely never heard the Word of God. There have been some Bibles in, in China, but they're probably illegal. 
there's beginning to be a little bit of movement in China that, that maybe this might change, but uh, time will tell. The Gideons have placed two billion Bibles since our founding in 1899, and it would take all of those Bibles to give one to every person in China. Islamic countries, a lot of those in the uh, news all the time about terrorism. Those who believe in a uh, fanatical viewpoint that everyone that, that is not their religion should die. In some of the Islamic countries, this is the death penalty to just hold uh, God's word in your hand. So we need to pray for those countries. And that leads me to how you can help us. And that is the biggest need, believe it or not, that we have, is a prayer need. We pray that you would... They pray, we pray that you would... That these churches in these foreign countries would be open. That China would become open. That Russia, that the Islamic countries would become open to Bible distributions. Secondly, we pray that the Gideon organization would prosper internationally. There are Gideon camps all over the world. It's like the, 20, like the hundreds of people that were in the Philippines who were members of Gideon camps. We ask you to pray that we could continue to give the Bibles out in the schools. We ask you to pray that the Gideons would continue to be able to give these testaments out at the fair. The second way that you could help us is to give as the Lord directs you this morning. Uh, the Gideons are able to work, have been successful in the cost of the Bibles. These hotel Bibles are $5 last time I looked, which has been about probably a year or so. These Bibles, as I've already mentioned, are $1.50. So we pray that you would uh, give to that as well. The third way you can help us is the Memorial Bible program that the Gideons have. And I believe there's some cards in the church where you could send in memory of someone or in honor of someone and help the Gideons that way. I'm going to close with another testimony. In the nation of Chile, Jose Arzeo went to a school there. And this young, arrogant man told Jose that he didn't need that, that word. Jose didn't think anything more about it until six months later and he toured a, a prison giving out Bibles. This young man walked up to him and, and told him that he should have taken that Bible that night because he had a wild party that night and because the laws of the Philippines are different, he was imprisoned because it, just because it happened in his home. And Jose took the Bible that the man should have taken and led him to salvation on the floor of that prison. I want to thank you for being here this morning and the welcome you've given me, and uh, turn it back over to our pastor. Thank you, Brother Randy. I appreciate you sharing with us this morning. Um, 
On our way out a little bit later this morning, we have a plate that's on the, the table in the vestibule there. Uh, there's a little sticky note underneath it that says for the Gideon offering. And so uh, that, that plate is for, for the Gideon offering, uh, your regular tithes and offerings. We have a plate immediately behind the, the last pew there by the masks. And so we have two separate plates there for those two separate offerings. And so God's word is powerful. It is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, I'm aware of another Gideon testimony uh, um, about a man named uh, Christopher Ewan. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Christopher Ewan, but he um, uh, is uh, from a Chinese family. He um, uh, is was was a practicing homosexual, and and uh, I believe it was he was in dental school, and then actually as as part of I don't know exactly how it all happened, but he ended up being a drug dealer, too, out of his, uh, where he was living while he was in dental school. And so he had lots of things going on, and, um, and, uh, and eventually it caught up with him. And he got arrested, got sent to jail, and, um, and while he was in jail, uh, he walked by a trash can, and on the top of the trash can that somebody had thrown away was a Gideon Bible. And he picked it up. And, he, and then eventually, through that witness and, and others, he, he came to know Jesus Christ and Christopher Ewan. You know, uh, he repented of his sins, he followed Jesus, and now he's actually a professor at uh, Moody Bible College in Chicago. And so, you never know what the Lord is going to do through his word. Um, he is mighty, he is powerful. And so, um, for uh, the remainder of our time here, uh, I just wanted to share a little bit that I think is relevant for, um, for, this, uh, for the Gideon ministry here. It's from the end of 2 Timothy chapter 3 here uh, through a little bit of chapter 4. Um, and so you're welcome to join me there. I don't have it up on the screen. But it is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 16 and following. And this will be a familiar passage to you. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth And wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, 
the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so there's a reason why we can hear testimonies like Brother Randy shared. And the reason for that is that it says all scripture is breathed out by God. That is that when we look at this book, we have something that is different from any ordinary book. Right? You understand that. When you read the Bible, you're not reading just, just, you know, it's not like you're picking up a school textbook or a novel or anything like that. You're picking up words that have been inspired by God. When you read the Bible, it is God speaking to you. One pastor said, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible out loud. Right? That's how it works. That's why, that's why I try so uh, hard to just encourage followers of Jesus Christ to develop a lifestyle and a habit of Bible and Scripture reading and, and Bible intake in your life because, because it's just different. There's nothing, compare, there's nothing compares to the Word of God because nothing else is breathed out by God as Scripture is. You can hear the voice of Almighty God when you read this book. And so, and so something supernatural is taking place when you pick up this book. And, and Paul says, It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so we need, we need teaching, you know? We need teaching. We need to be taught the truth. That's why, that's why the role of education and teaching is so important. That's why when, when uh, people want to change the direction a nation takes, the first place they go is the school system. Because they know that if you can control what is being taught, you can shape the minds of individuals, you can shape the minds of the following generation, and then you've essentially, you, you've, you've conquered, right? Because you've, you've shaped the way that the next generation thinks. And, and Paul says that this Bible, this word, is, is profitable for teaching. That is, it's, 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 it is the truth which informs and should shape the, shape the way we think. It's profitable for reproof and for correction, Right? That's why a lot of people don't like the Bible, right? Because it reproves and corrects. That is, God has the audacity, some people think, to tell us that we're not always right. Well, guess what? God has that right and authority because he made us. He owns us. We belong to him. It's not the other way around. We're made in his image, not the other way around. And so, and so but that's why a lot of people don't like the book because God comes and he says, hey, you might not be as smart as you think you are. And anyone who's become a Christian has to reach that point. And all of us who have become Christians, we, maybe some of us remember very vividly. Maybe some not, but maybe some of us remember very vividly. That day you realized, wait, the way I'm doing it ain't working. (laughs) There's got to be a better way, and, and I don't know the way. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm the way, right? I'm the way. But how do we know that? Through the word of God, right? Who comes and reproves and corrects us because we need it. Because it's actually unloving to let people go in a wrong direction. And so sometimes we need reproof, we need correction. And we need, and we need training in righteousness. That's, what does, that's another purpose of the word of God here that it does all over the world, right? It, it trains us, it, 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 it equips us, it matures us, it grows us. You know, our, our brother shared, which is so true. It's like we read the Bible and we don't always, we don't always understand it. 
you know, right now I'm in the, I'm trying to, um, I, I'm, I'm in the midst of this study that involves the end times. <laughs> that is really mind-boggling, and and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not sure where it's going to go. I'm not sure where where I'm going to end up. But it, the thing is, is it's not always easy to understand. And many people, I'm afraid, they they they. They, they pick up the Bible, they read it, and they don't understand it. And because of that, or because it's difficult to understand, they say, well, I'm just going to set it aside, and I'm just going to let other people tell me what it means because it's too hard for me. And I just want to say that we have to remember that anything worth having in life comes by work. Right? That's all of life. You know, the... the, the Anything and and by the way, and if you didn't work for it, we all know that anyone who has kids know this. And whatever you don't work for, you don't appreciate anyway. And so, if we want something, and if we want to appreciate it, and and if we want it to be meaningful and valuable to our life, we have to work for it. But what does that mean? That means we have to. That means if we read something and we don't understand it, we don't just throw our hands up in the air, but we say, "Okay, let me let me read more." Yes, I can listen to what this person has to say. I can listen to this person what has to say. But at the end of the day, I have to wrestle with the text for myself. I have to, I have to, deal, I have to, I have to evaluate the different arguments for why they're interpreting that passage in that way and weigh the arguments and see which argument actually makes the most sense and, 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 and is the best argument. And, 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 and yeah, it's not easy. It's hard work. But what is that? It's like training, right? It's like training. And, and the more we train, the stronger we get. And the more we train, the sharper we get and the better we get. And, and the easier all these things come. And it says for training in righteousness, especially there. And so the more we, the more we study God's word and read it and, and, and apply it to our lives through a proof and correction, it's going to train us to be more righteous people, be more holy people, to be more godly people. Anyone who's a, you know, um, People, people who who think we you know well, people, you know, humanities are basically good. All you gotta do is say, "Well, try going one day without sinning." You can't, right? Why? Because we're not basically good. We can't even go a single day without sinning, right? And so, what we need is, but God, by His power of His Spirit and through His Word, can train us and equip us and change us, and that's what He does through His Word. He says that the man of God may be complete, equipped. For every good work. The word the word that old King James says perfect, right? It means it means full. It means lacking, it means lacking nothing. If we the word of God lacks nothing that we need to be what God wants us to be. And so if you feel like in your life, I'm not quite where I want to be, which should be all of us. And the question you ask is, what do I need? To take me to that place where I'm not yet, the answer is well, the answer is I know where you can find it. It's in this book, because Paul says that it is it is all that we need to be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, and then I want us to notice here at the beginning of chapter four that Paul says, "I charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is the Judge, the Living and the Dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word." Now, I've thought about this passage before. It, it applies to, to preachers, obviously. But I think, it, I think it has implications for far beyond that. Because think about, think about, 
Think about what Paul has said there. He says, I charge you, how? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Who what? Who is to judge the living and the dead, and, he says, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Can you imagine a more, can you imagine a a way to be more serious and solemn and weighty about, about what he's about to say than to say all those things? In other words, it's like, it's like he's picking Timothy up and he's setting him in the very throne room of God himself. And he's saying, there's God, there's Jesus. He's going to judge the living and the dead one day. They're hearing me speak to you right now, Timothy, and this is what I have to say to you. Preach the word. You see that? He, he, is, he is trying to get Timothy to feel in a way that really is unparalleled in the Bible, the weight and the gravity of the task that he's been given. And that task is this, is to preach the word. And so when we preach the word, we're preaching it as people who are in the very presence of God. We're preaching it as people who will one day have to give an account to him who will judge the living and the dead. We're preaching as those who who belong to the one who has appeared and who one day is going to appear again. And and in and in view of all that he tells Timothy to preach the word. And so that's why I'm so committed to the Bible. That's why we're so committed to the Bible. That's why when we preach the Bible and when we share Christ with others on the basis of God's word, that's why it is a, it is a solemn and a, a, a task of just incomparable weight and gravity and magnitude, right? I mean, when we go out and we speak the truth about Christ based on the word of God to other people, I mean, we're doing the greatest work that can be done, right? There's lots, of, there's, lots of, there's lots of things that are out there that are important to do, but when we take God's word and apply it to the lives of people, we're doing something that will make a difference for eternity. And so he's trying to get him to feel the weight and the gravity of that. And then finally here he says, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That's what the word does. With complete patience and teaching. Then in verse 3 he says, For the time is coming... When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So, this is important for our day, right? Because Paul is saying that we have the obligation to preach the word whether people want to hear it or not. Right? Because that's, that, I mean, because of the gravity of it, right? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living, and the dead. And he recognizes that there will be people, as our brother said, missionaries would rather go across the world than to preach the gospel here because people here just don't want to hear it. And by and large, that's, that's true. They, they, they either think they've heard it and they think they know it, therefore you don't have anything important to tell them about it, or they just don't want to hear it at all. And, and, and 
you know, and if I understand it right now, uh, last I heard, the one of the, if not one of the, one of the, if not the largest church in America, is led by a man named Joel Osteen, who I, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say things I regret, but let me just tell you something. He's not preaching the word. Let me just put it that way. Guess what? A lot of people want to hear that. A lot of people want to hear it. And 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 a lot of people will pay a lot of money to hear it. But what good is it? If in the end all they're doing is just they've they've gathered themselves teachers who just suit their own passions. And he says they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the midst. But he says, as for you, be sober minded, be sober minded, endure suffering, right? Endure suffering. That's what he tells Timothy. Endure suffering. Why? Because when you preach a message that people don't like, you're going to suffer for it. That's just the way it is in some, in some way, shape, or form. Okay? Do the work of an evangelist. Okay? It's the third thing that he says. And, of course, you know, we, we talk about evangelism all the time, but we have to remember that's an that's a English Christian buzzword, but that's not... That's not what it would have meant back then. An evangelist was someone who proclaimed good news of victory in war, right? When, when, for, when the Romans, for example, conquered in a certain land or city, they would go and an evangelist would go proclaim news of victory. But the Christians took that term, that wasn't an, an originally Christian term, and co-opted it, if you will, to mean something totally different, right? To mean something that what? That Jesus has conquered. That he has achieved the victory and because he has conquered, we can rejoice, right? We can rejoice, and that means something for our lives. And then finally there, he says, fulfill your ministry. And then in closing here, he says, I'm already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So this is Paul's last letter, Second Timothy, last letter as far as we know that he wrote before he died, before he was beheaded in Rome for his testimony of Christ. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is—I just want to say—it's just. This is kind of an aside here, but do all that you can to finish the race, okay? Because. The devil out there is to steal, kill, and destroy. And even within the past couple weeks, I've heard about, like, for example, a man that I deeply respect and admire who allegations have come out that I don't know. They may be true. They probably are true. I don't know. But all I'm saying is this. It doesn't matter how old you are. You better keep fighting the fight. Because you haven't made it till you made it. You hear me? So don't give up. Fight the fight. Finished the race, kept the faith. Because Paul says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so, <clears throat> and so from all this, what we see is the weight and the gravity and the significance of the Word of God. Its power, its perfection, and how it is able to do 
in and through us as, as, it did, as it did for Paul. And that is that if we cling to it and hold fast to it, we can have that confidence like Paul had, had to, finish the, to finish the race, keep the faith, to fight the good fight. And so as we close this morning, we've heard some, some great testimonies of the Word of God and its, and its power. And it's the same word that we proclaim today and that we have always proclaimed. Paul had finished the good, he had, finished, he had fought the good fight, he had finished the race, he had kept the faith. He was persecuting Christians, he was having them arrested and killed until one day he met Jesus Christ who had died and who had risen from the dead to forgive Paul of his sins. And Paul was never the same. And he could write this letter with a clean conscience right before he died to Timothy. And he said, I've kept the faith. And now to a young Timothy, like, and, and we could imagine Paul speaking to all of us. He's telling, that, he's telling that young man, just as he's telling me, and he's telling you, don't give up. Don't give up. The word of God is powerful. It's powerful to save. And so as we close this morning, the same Jesus that met Paul on the Damascus Road, he's present in this room this morning. And, if, and he's calling, as he did 2,000 years ago, the same words saying, repent, and <laughs> repent of your sins and believe in me. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we close this morning, this is the invitation that's extended to all. Whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you turn from your sins, believe in him who lived, who died, who rose again, who's coming back one day, God, he will forgive you of all of your sins. He will adopt you into the eternal family of God. He will show you what he has made you to be and made you to do. And you can, and you can, and you can finally live a life of faith and love, and joy, and hope, and peace, and obedience. Doesn't matter what happens in the world. Doesn't matter who gets elected president. It doesn't matter what the laws are because nothing can stop you from loving and obeying Jesus Christ. And then, when your time comes, there'll be a crown of righteousness laid up for you, given to you by Christ himself, and not only to you, but to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning. Thank you for Brother Randy and for the Gideons. And Lord, we just pray your blessing, God, upon this ministry. Lord, we know that your word is power. And so even now, Lord, we can imagine, Lord, it is well within your power, even today, all over the world. Who knows how many people might pick up, Lord, a Gideon Bible or have one placed in their hands this very day, Lord. And so I just pray in Jesus' name that there would be many people today who somehow, some way, in your providence, finding it on top of a trash can or having it, or having it put, in their, or put in their hand or picking it up uh, from a table somewhere, but they pick up your word and they read it and, you, and they meet you there, Jesus, in the pages of that and are saved by you. I pray that that would happen to many today, Lord Jesus. And I pray that maybe there's some listening, God, to uh, these testimonies this morning and have come to see that you are real, that you are alive, that you are coming back, Lord. 
and that we can belong to you and that they will repent and believe on you this very morning. So Lord, have your way with us and in us. Do your word and spirit. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with